FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 488 of the podcast that goes nicked. I am your host, Jason, and this episode is entitled A Rough Patch. And yes, we'll get to the new current uh, Wolverine patch series, but that's not why it's called this. That book is actually fine. Um, yeah, I hopefully you've noticed. <laughs> I've been away for a while. Um, as of when I'm recording this, I have not podcast in four months. Um, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, basically, kind of, so, I mean, I'm back. <laughs> and I'm happy to be back. And and definitely want to talk about kind of where I've been and what is going on and what to expect going forward. Uh, still marching, though much slower now, to episode 500. But I hope to pick the pace back up a little bit. So, um, yeah, where have I been? Um, good question. Some of this, first of all, um, I am fine. Uh, some of what I say and talk about from a medical perspective sounds maybe a little scary and at times was maybe a little bit scary, but on the other side of it, I mean, I'm, I'm good. So I just want to say that up front, you don't need to worry about me. Um, for those of you that have checked in, uh, which I will, I will roll call some of you that have been especially uh, supportive here in a little bit, but um, you know I'm I'm doing doing good. I'm I'm now in, in a pretty good place and and all that. I did or have been dealing with some medical scares, not the right word, but it's, it's kind of some chronic medical issues. So I have talked about and at different points in, in this nearly ten year journey of doing the podcast that goes nicked that um I mentioned things about how I felt like in the last few years my my voice has degraded a little bit uh, because of sinus stuff and just chronic head stuff. And and several of you have been nice and said, hey, I wouldn't even notice. And, and I love y'all for that. Um, a couple of people have definitely noticed, and that's fine too. Um, but anyway, uh, kind of adjacent to that. Um, so without going too much into my PHI, um, you know, I, I've... I think I've talked about before that I was born with a, a fairly severe cleft palate um, and had lots of surgeries when I was very, very young. And then, you know, I've had kind of other surgeries as a developmental milestones physically and stuff throughout my life. Um, so something that I guess happens from time to time, uh, the doctor said it's, it's not necessarily common, but it's not necessarily rare. It's just something that, that happens sometimes. Um, Obviously, you have other ENT problems. Um, so I believe I mentioned a while back, and it's hard to remember sometimes where I've said things and where I haven't, so I apologize. But I believe I mentioned a while back that I've had kind of some chronic, what feels like pressure and fluid in my left ear. Um, that's been going on noticeably. So all throughout my 30s, I got regular adult ear infections, and ear infections as an adult are not fun. They just they kind of suck. You can kind of understand why your little ones, especially when they can't tell you what's wrong, are so miserable because it's not a good feeling. And 
it, it can hurt pretty bad, at least it did for me. And I kind of quit having those as I entered into my 40s, but kind of something else started happening in that while I would not get the chronic ear infections and the frequent ear infections, the last one I had, I felt like it never went completely away. And what I mean by that is even though I, I felt better and felt good really for the most part, there was kind of a nagging pressure in my left ear that kind of never went away. And then kind of got worse. And over the last year or so, I started noticing a little bit of hearing problem in that ear. Uh, my hearing it was very, very slight at first. And in some ways, it was even <laughs> a relief at times because I could sleep better if I laid on my right ear because my left ear didn't pick up as much noise and I actually got better sleep. And I was like, oh, that's not too bad. But then, you know, obviously that's not, not healthy. Um, so over the last few months, um, going into the beginning of 2022, it's kind of got progressively worse. Um, and the hearing in my left ear just got progressively worse and to the point where I was having um, like real and substantial hearing loss and decided, hey, it's time to do something about this and figure out what's going on. And and the pressure would come and go, and I kind of felt like I was underwater a lot. Um, just not a comfortable thing. Um, and so we started seeing, we had taken uh, Emmett, our youngest, had a lot of ear infections in his first year of life. So um, we had seen the ENT, gotten him tubes, all that fun stuff. And, you know, he's, he's awesome now. Um, but I, anyway, I'd gone to the ENT. They were a family ENT and just kind of had them check me out. And, you know, definitely confirmed through hearing tests and stuff that I was definitely having like legitimate hearing loss and was definitely having pressure and fluid. Now fluid, they're just kind of living behind my ear, my left ear behind the eardrum. But they were having trouble figuring out exactly why it was not going anywhere because it seemed to kind of drain but then just fill back up. And they did a lot of imaging and stuff and I can tell they were starting to get kind of nervous. Um, and kind of had some some inconclusive <laughs> data and kind of felt like it was getting beyond their scope of normal EMT. And so they referred me to um, an ENT with a specialty in neurology. A uh, guy here, very good doctor, very well-respected doctor here in Dallas, Texas, where, of course, by where I live. And um, went and saw him, uh, did some more imaging, had some more test done, by the way, drawing fluid through your eardrum. If ear infections hurt, drawing fluid through a, a syringe through your eardrum, a, a tiny, tiny hole. It's super, super tiny, but man, it hurts. <laughs> it hurt bad. I, the, I had to do it uh, three times, uh, three different times, and each time uh, multiple draws. The third the last time on the third visit, I almost passed out. Um, it was it hurt so bad. Um, anyway, uh, all that to say is, so what is kind of going on that I found out that kind of knocked me for a loop for a little bit. Um, and trying to figure out like what we're gonna do is it took a while to to get all the testing back. So I was I was nervous, but the doctor mentioned that he thought it looked like based on the imaging that it might be spinal fluid behind my ear. Um, basically meaning that it's coming from my brain somehow. Um, obviously, not the best news. And 
it put me in a really funky headspace, especially because there was about three or four weeks where I really didn't know exactly what was going on, and without knowing exactly what was going on, could not know exactly what needed to happen next. Um, obviously, if it is spinal fluid, that opens me up to like higher risk of a meningitis, and, and that's not good. Um, so, I don't know, I was just in a really weird headspace at first. Um, it didn't really feel like podcasting. Um, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I wasn't just, I just wasn't into it for whatever reason. Um, maybe quasi-depression. You know, I, I hesitate to call it like real depression because I had that in my uh, adolescence and early adulthood and this, this was not the same thing. This was not a the uncontrollable, heavy despair that, you know, was definitely like a chemical imbalance thing. Uh, this it was just more of just a funk. Um, and, and the reason I just think that is because I have dealt with, like, real depression. I don't want to make light of that. That's the very, very serious thing that a lot of people really struggle with. And I want to differentiate that what I've been feeling the last couple of months, while has some of the same feelings of detachment and a lack of motivation, is not... It's not like the clinical depression that that I know a lot of people really struggle with with mental health and stuff like that. But I was in a in a weird headspace um, for sure, and was struggling to kind of get engaged with the podcast and finding the the time. To, I just didn't really want to do it, and it's hard to explain why because I get a lot of joy out of it. <laughs> Obviously, I mean I've been doing it almost ten years. It's just I would kind of and this the stack of books we're going to cover tonight reading them for this episode that I'm actually now recording will be the third time I've read them. Because I read them, and I got ready to record, and then this kind of went down literally between the time I read and when I was going to record. I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. And then, kind of a couple months in, I was like, no, I'm going to, let's do this. And so, a couple times, I would make plans to go ahead and get back on the horse, get back on the headphones, and record. So, I, I read the comics again, and then... After I read them the second time, three or four different times, I made plans to record and then just didn't. Um, but tonight, I'm finally doing it. And it feels good. It's good to be back. It was a rough patch. I feel like I'm coming out of it pretty good. I'm ready to talk about some comics, most of which I really enjoyed this time. That always helps, right? Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of getting the pod track podcast, <laughs> mix my uh, phrase up there, getting the podcast back on track, um, hopefully so, um, and I've, I've already reached out to a few people to kind of line up some potential stuff, so I kind of have that accountability, like, oh, if I don't record, now I'm not just letting myself and the listeners down, but the people that I'm trying to record with, uh, that I'm <laughs> trying to schedule with, and John Wilson, I owe you an extra apology, because I know right before this kind of went down, we were looking at time to do our next flashback episode. Flashback! And I just kind of went dark, and I definitely involved. I know we talked about other things in the, mean, in the interim, but I kind of just kind of didn't mention the podcast, and you gracefully didn't mention it either, but I want to get that back on track as well. So, um, anyway, I do want to call out a few people who were especially supportive. And, and a lot of you either reached out or kept listening to old episodes. Like, like People are still downloading the show, which is awesome and great, and I thank you very, very much and love from the bottom of my heart for that. I cannot tell you how much it meant to see that. 
um, people are still listening, and it seems that some, at least a few of you are are anxiously waiting for this episode, and I hope it doesn't disappoint. I hope it didn't bore, bore you too much with the health talk. Um, but there were a few of you that, that were kind of a very, a very special, <laughs> um, just help to me and support to me during this time. Um, and in no particular order, um, John Wilson, I just mentioned, has been, you know, a, a great confidant and friend um, over the last several years and just has been super supportive of, of everything I do always. And I love you for that, John. Um, Grant Richter. Um, oh, by the way, John has, uh, of course, his uh, Superman in Crisis podcast that you should listen to. Um, Grant Richter uh, from the Truth, Justice, and Hope podcast and other Superman podcast, both of which are two of my favorite shows. Um, it's also just been extra supportive, like checking in on me, making sure I was okay, um, just kind of, you know, encouraging me to, you know, to, to be in a good headspace and to stay positive and just, Grant, I know, you know, we've, we've never had the privilege of a meeting, but I really do, um, treasure and value your friendship so much, man. It, it means so much to me. Um, then obviously, in that same vein, uh, Dan and Jordy from the Escalabros. And Ian, uh, you know, right after I kind of told Dan and Georgie and Grant about this, we have a we have a, kind of our, our group chat that we do. Um, and uh, I mentioned to them kind of just the very basics of kind of what I was going through. And, and of course, they were all super, super encouraging. Uh, at one point, pretty quick after that, uh, Dan and Ian sent me some pictures of dressing up or fixing up their hair like Wolverine and had like, you know, pencils in their hands for claws. And it was A, just adorable, but also just, I don't know, I, it was an obvious attempt to like make me smile and make me laugh, and it worked. And I just, I really appreciate that. And just, you know, it, it's, 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 you need both, right? You need the friends that are like, then in the same breath, gonna be like, hey, I understand what you're going through. I'm here for you, but also we're just going to be normal, the normal bullshit we always talk about, right? And so, so Dan, Georgie, and Grant, especially in our chat, just cannot thank y'all enough for just kind of putting things normal. Uh, being supportive, yes, but also just kind of just me and my friends, man, in, in this time. Um, Cameron Sinclair, of course, long time, old time, uh, flashback co-host. You know, he's been my best friend since maybe like five years old. So obviously he's super super supportive and encouraging to me as well, um, you know, as I prepare for, oh, I didn't really finish talking about what was going on, so real fast, I'm also Regina from House of X, uh, Regina, thank you so much for sending me some kind words and, you know, missing the show and encourage me that, that, you know, I'll just jump right back in, like ride a bike, and I really appreciate that as well, um, so, yeah, I completely skipped the, the end of what was going on. So, the resolution that I'm working on that has got me in a better space just knowing what's going on. Um, so, I was saying that the doctor said that there's a, there's a thing that is not common but not rare in cleft palate patients, and that is a thinning of the bone at the base of the skull um, behind the ears. Um, and sometimes, a little bit more rare, but not again not completely rare uh, sometimes what can happen is that thinning can get brittle and crack or have holes and so that is ultimately determined finally after a couple of months of trying to figure things out um, and that's what's, what's happening I have a very very tiny and it's it's tiny y'all like super tiny hard to see 
um, and only through like magnified imaging and different angles on imaging can they even find it. But um, very very tiny hole in the base of my skull above my left ear, and spinal fluid is very slowly but but consistently uh, leaking out through that hole and just sitting behind my ear. And that's why I feel like I always have the pressure, and even when it drains and I feel like it's a little bit less, it'll build back up because it just kind of refills um, over time through the very, very small leak. Um, and so that is what's going on. It is fixable and treatable. Uh, the surgery is fairly complex. Luckily, my doctor has done many of them. Um, has people coming from all over the country to do this, and, and that's great. Um, and so anyway, uh, basically you just you fix and reinforce the bone through some synthetic bony material. Obviously, you clean out the ear while you're in there. Um, there is some risk inherent uh, because they do have to slightly, just barely, and I say this so casually, um, they have to move my brain <laughs> for a second to fix the skull and then it'll settle back into place. Um, so there is some risk of like, you know, anytime you, you expose the brain, there's some risk. But um, I feel pretty confident. I feel like I have a good plan going forward uh, to get some relief, to get my hearing at least mostly back. Um, they don't, he doesn't think there's going to be any permanent damage to the eardrum. I just kind of kind of have to get through and make sure on the other side of all this. But um, anyway, um, that's where I am and where I've been. Um, so going forward, obviously I'm here right now podcasting again for the first time in a long time and it feels good it feels good to be back hopefully like i said hopefully it's not not too boring or too personal and, and you can still enjoy the episodes we're about to jump into the comics which is great uh what i'm going to do going forward obviously i would try to get the flashback episodes back on track um starting with uh john wilson and going forward through all that i'm still looking forward to trying to make episode 500 something special maybe not the same special i was thinking originally uh, we'll kind of see. We'll see where that goes. A um, little TBD on there. But as far as the current comics, I have a big old stack. I am, uh, you know, well, I'm four months behind on current comics for the podcast, and there's a lot. Um, my intention is I'm just going to do kind of the first group tonight, when I, and then I'm not going to try to like, catch up all at once. So I know... Normally, I'm only a week or two behind publication on the new issues, and I always enjoy that, not because, like, it's super important for me to be all caught up, but just, there's a couple of different things. A, there's a lot of X-Men podcasts now, which is awesome, by the way, and most of, at least most of the ones that I've heard are really good. Um, you know, I mentioned Regina from House of X a minute ago, her and Dylan, uh, Homo Superior, X Reads, um, X Couples, I'm, I'm forgetting some I know and I apologize. Um, but just a ton of really, really good uh, Danger Room, uh, X-Men comic, or X-Men comic podcasts out there. Of course, my bros and the Escalo bros. Um, and so, and there's, not all of those cover current comics, but a lot of them do. And there's kind of two things that go with that. A, 
I know that a lot of you listen to multiple X-Men comics, which you should. I'm sorry. keep saying comics instead of podcasts. Uh, listen to multiple X-Men podcasts, which you should. Because there, there's, there's a lot of really good ones out there, and you should fill up your ear holes with them. Um, that's the right thing to do. <laughs> but also, I like to listen to a lot of them. I refuse to listen to stuff if I know I'm going to cover it, and I haven't done it yet. And the reason for that I just want to be completely above board. There's, there's some things, both, you know, whether it's opinions or jokes, or whatever. There's some that are so obvious that, you, if you listen to all the X podcasts, you'll probably hear five people say the same thing, and that's just going to happen. But what I want to be very, very intentional about, and I've always been very intentional about, and I don't listen to other issues, other podcasts cover the same issues until after I've covered them, so I don't subconsciously, I would never do it on purpose, but I only want to do it on accident. Um, you know, lift someone's idea or someone's opinion and and spout it like it's my own. So you can know if I'm saying something, it's from me. And if it's coincidence, maybe it'll sound like somebody else. But um but I like to go listen to those shows after. So I've by the way, some of those podcasts that I normally might interact with and you haven't heard from me it's because I've been stockpiling your podcast and like I've been stockpiling these issues um, so I will get back caught up on all those podcasts eventually um, but yeah so I, I'm not going to be in a big rush to catch up but I will probably take at least after this episode some maybe a few larger bites um, trying to at least get up before too long to the, the Hellfire issue and uh, the Axe crossover. Um, those are kind of be the, the goal to get to um, hopefully in the next several episodes. Um, so we'll see how all that goes. But that's the plan for now. And I feel like that is about as much preamble as I've ever done. So I think it's time to do what we're here to do to pop those claws and get into some comics. So the first thing we're going to talk about is Wolverine Patch number one. This is... Um, does that have a title? I thought it did. Where'd it go? Maybe not. I... Okay. Alright, maybe it was at the end? Nope. Alright. Anyway, Wolverine Patch <laughs> number one. Um is, of course, written by Larry Hammer, pencils by Andrea DeVito, inks by LeBeau Underwood, colors by Sebastian Cheng, letters by VCs Clayton Cowell, and the cover is by Jeff Shaw and Edgar Delgado. And I really like this cover. It's a black background. We have the logo. We have Patch front and center, not in the all-white suit. He has black pants and a white shirt with a white sport coat and a red handkerchief, a black bow tie, and, of course, a black eye patch. And he looks awesome. The, the line work and color work on Patch are really, really good. And behind him, we have Tiger Tiger and Archie. And then behind them, we have Nick Fury and... The two bad guys that will meet towards the end of the issue. So I really, really like this cover. I think it's really good. Um, I love kind of the the black background and just the figure work. It looks really nice. All right, so we go. Of course, this patch. So we go to Madripoor. 
uh, sometime in the past. Um, and we see some monkey screaming. There's a kind of a, a makeshift lab in the jungle. We have a doctor doing experiments, and they're worried about the locals. And then we go, of course, to the Princess Bar. And Patch is hanging out with Archie, and they're shooting the bull, having some drinks. And Tiger Tiger comes in with the prince. Um, so Hammond pulling out all the, the greatest hits from, really, most mostly from before his Wolverine run. Most of these guys are in the Claremont run. But, um, yeah, pulling out the greatest the greatest hits for Patch. Um the prince has a proposition. He wants Patch to um, investigate some stuff in the jungle, some weird stuff, and Patch is not interested. But then the prince offers to pay Archie to fly him and pay him triple, but also to have more favorable business transactions with Tiger Tiger. So Patch feels obligated now to, to do this mission. So Archie flies him out into the jungle. They see a building. Uh, they are noticed from this guy. They see a crashed Russian airplane on the jungle floor. And Wolverine is going to investigate, but he gets, they basically get a tractor beamed uh, by a shield helicarrier. And Nick Fury, of course, is on board and he gets all up in Patch's face. They have an eye patch convention, no cigars convention this time. Um, uh, Nick Fury's like, Shield's doing an operation. You're going to ruin everything. Get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. And so they fly off, and uh, Wolverine, or sorry, Patch, jumps out of the plane. Archie's like, whoa, what are you doing? And he literally falls through the canopy, lands on the ground with busted up bones. Um, says, hell of a way to play, but it keeps me off the Shield radar. The adamantium bones don't break, so there's a few minor repairs, and he pops his joints back into place, and uh, you know, takes his patch suit through the jungle, and he is noticed. Um, we have a couple of people talking about different rewards. We have General Coy, another uh, early solo Wolverine uh, henchman, and he is out running missions in the jungle looking for a reward. Uh, Archie goes back to the Madripoor airport um, and talks to Tiger Tiger. They saw some Russians. We go back to our jungle lab um, and the scientist is working with Dai Komo Oiban. Remember, he's the big guy with the spider tattoo on his face. Um, so another another patch era Madripoor greatest hits from the Wolverine Solo series. Um, so he's behind this. Uh, Patch is in the jungle. He encounters some bad guys, one of which looks kind of like Frenzy, but is not. Um, but they are mutants, and they fight. Uh, they have a really, really strong woman, a really fast, cloaked male, and they fight Patch. You get a nice double snicked, um, where he says, the gloves are officially off. And it's a really nice artwork, too, uh, as he pops his claws as a double snicked. But the fast guy takes him out. Um, Wolverine stabs um, the big girl in the forearm but she kind of traps him there. Like Basically like leaves the claws embedded and puts him like in an arm lock so he can't move and he can't pull his claws out. Then the really fast guy like cuts him up and they leave him for dead. Um, but of course after they leave he uh, eventually wakes up and says um, you know, he's going to go find the guys that, that did him wrong. So 
Um, it's a pretty good issue. The art's pretty nice. Um, like the dialogue's fine, the story's fine. We have, I don't think maybe as much mystery as Hammond was hoping we would find in this. Um, found it hard to really particularly connect the dots or care too much like about the lab or I feel like we're supposed to care a lot because we know the characters but I don't know if there's enough like suspense or interest to really elevate this to maybe where it could be um but it's not bad it's fine it was, it was a fine issue um we'll see what happens on the next one I believe there's five maybe six of these in this mini series. um I know four just came out, I believe, so that is how far behind I am. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was it was fine. It was an enjoyable issue, not too bad. With good artwork. Um, I don't think I can quite push it to a four, so I'm going to give Wolverine patch number one uh, three out of six claws. All right, well... That is that. We'll see where that goes. It could it could get better, right? Um, very competent comic book. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about X Force Annual Number One. So this is Jumpstart or Lab Work, written by Nadia Chavez, art by Rafael Pimentel, colors by Carlos Lopez. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, designed by Tom Mueller, and Taryn Clark, or Torin Clark, I'm not sure which one, uh, does the cover. And on the cover, we have our X-Force team, Wolverine, Domino, and Quentin Choir, fighting some Sentinels. It's kind of like in a painted style, a little bit, I guess, kind of. Um, it's okay. Not a bad cover. Alright, so, we're on Krakoa, of course, and Beast and Sage are talking about the newest X-Force mission. Sage has a bad feeling about it, so she alerts Emma, who click-clacks her way down to Beast's lab, uh, turns into diamond form, so Beast knows that she's not using telepathy, and just kind of says, what's going on? I don't like what's going on. I feel like this mission is unnecessary, and putting X-Force in harm's way behind a cockamini story about Orcus. Uh, they're, you know, so the idea is that Orcus stole a shipment of petals, but Emma knows that it wasn't really stolen and trying to figure out what's going on. So we see our X-Force team go to Ethiopia and a Blackbird drop zones Wolverine, Quentin Choir, and Domino into this uh, Orcus facility. Um, and one of the better pages of the book is a full-page splash of them jumping out of the plane. This time, Wolverine gets the advantage of a parachute. <laughs> and yeah, they uh, they they fly down. They land in like this little crater. Quentin Choir uses his TK to find a, a hollow space to come in. And they do. They go in, but Quentin is grabbed by a bunch of robot arms. Um... Wolverine tries to fight him, but he is magnetized to the ceiling. Of course, with his adamantium, he can't get down. He's attacked by some medical-type sentinels who are cutting him open. And then Domino runs and is trapped in a room with four four panels that look like dice. Now, I'm trying to remember. Um, she says it's a trap. 
and then she has to choose which one to step on and hope that her luck comes true. And it does, but why can't she just stand there? I mean, there's no, there's no like sign of like, oh, well, there's a trap door, or the door's going to shut, she's going to suffocate. I mean, I guess she has to pick one to get away from the sentinels, maybe? But anyway, she picks, it looks like number three, and she falls into this, like, glass ball. And we find out that it's the only one that's empty. So the other one has, like, acid, and another one has, like, spikes, and another one is, like, has no air, so she would drown or, or suffocate. Um, and we see a guy in the lab that's testing them. So they put, basically, Quentin Quire gets put in this, like, giant sound room. And they're hitting him with different frequencies to try to uh, isolate and activate certain parts of his mental powers. Uh, they just wanted to test Domino's luck, and she did land on the lucky ball. And then Wolverine, they're testing his healing factors. They're cutting him open and seeing how long it takes to heal. And then uh, Beast and Emma argue some more back home. Um, Quentin, uh, the Sonics cause flashbacks. Um, Wolverine has kind of a, a disgruntled, like, this is the worst part. Um, here I am stuck. I can't help my teammates. Um, Domino tries to run up the, the ball, but of course she can't get enough traction to run up, so she's stuck in the bottom of it, just sitting there. But, as the luck would have it, while the heat is getting intense, um, there's also a volcano. And um, the volcano decides to erupt. And what we find out is the volcanoes can flip the electromagnetic sphere of the area, and that's what happens. So then Wolverine is demagnetized, he falls down, gets free, and runs around and cuts his teammates free, cuts through some sentinels. Of course, by the time they get to the lab, it is, it is empty, but they realize that someone is um, was testing them. And, you know, Beast and Emma kind of argue that he wants the test results as well, so it's a valid mission. You know, if he needs to resurrect him, he can, it doesn't really matter anyway. Uh, so Beast is just a, continues to be a grade A prick. Um, you know, having, reading 90s X-Men, I really miss Lovable Beast. <laughs> but, you know, I understand this one is at least an interesting character, if not a likable character. But, um, yeah. Um, and so Wolverine throws a sentinel body down to Domino. She hotwires it to jetpack her out of there. And that's what they do. But... They realize they need to survive and get the CPU because they get resurrected from here. They won't remember any of this. So Domino uses her luck to continue to kind of get them out. Uh, Quentin Choir makes like a Wizard of Oz like giant floating TK bubble. I didn't know he could do that. I guess it makes sense, right? I mean, Jean used to float with like her glowing force field. So yeah, so it, it makes sense. Um... But it's very much reminiscent of Wizard of Oz. Uh, he basically wraps all three of them in a pink bubble and floats away, um, and, and they get away and live the day. Um, and that's that. Uh, the writing, I thought, was pretty good. The uh, story was fairly interesting. I mean, Beast continues to be, like I said, just kind of a Machiavellian prick. Um, but the interaction with the characters was good. The test was kind of a little predictable, maybe, but not too bad. Um, 
the art was just kind of okay. Um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was just kind of um, kind of standard. Um, yeah, just kind of standard art. I didn't I didn't love it. So I'm gonna give um, X Force Annual one three out of six claws as well. So then let's move. Let's stay in the X Force vein. Let's go to X Force number twenty seven. So this is online or from cradle to grave, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Robert Gill, colors by Guru Effects, letters by VCs Joe Caramani, and design this time is Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen, and then our cover artist is Josh Casera and Dean White. Um, the cover is pretty good. It's kind of just a fight pose, but we have. Um, forge with the cerebral helmet and tentacles in one side being attacked by Beast Quentin Choir with telekinetic chainsaw, which is awesome. Sage, Domino, and Wolverine. Um, I mean, the layout's pretty good, but the art is what gives it. I mean, I'm a huge Kassara fan, obviously. I've been loving him for a while. And yeah, that's where we are. So. We go to Krakoa, of course, Wolverine is looking at a helmet and thinking about 10 lives and 10 deaths that he just went through. Um, it's some pretty cool uh, internal dialogue. Benjamin Percy, not to beat a dead horse, but hey, I haven't said it in four months. <laughs> I just continues to really nail a Wolverine's character and dialogue um, in a really, really strong way. Love it. Um, he talks about kind of the peace of mind. Uh, he just doesn't have. He hopes it was worth it. Um, and then the cerebral helmet, after he walks away, comes to life. Then we go to the Quiet Council, where Beast is making his proposal about Omega Red. And basically, with the whole Russian situation, he proposes... Um, the, oops. Um proposes that um, they need to take some action um, and that, you know, Omega Red was a traitor. They gave him a chance and, you know, um, what's it called? Asylum. And he betrayed him and, and defected back to Russia and, you know, they can't go unpunished. And then Sage comes in and says, you know, I'd like to offer a different voice from X-Force and kind of spills the beans on what Beast did to Omega Red. The, the, they resurrected him with the kind of spy device with no memory. Um, this bothers Colossus. Um, you know, Beast is like, well, no, I should have total control over X-Force, and even, it's funny, Sage really puts him in his place. It's really, really fun. Um, and, of course, you know, the council hears him out. And she talks about how they should resurrect Omega Red again, this time legitimately and freely, and see if he can be a help in this crisis. Jesus um, says, you know, he didn't fail us, we failed him. Um, and Colossus likes this idea. Of course, he's worried about his brother as well, so there's some of that subtext. Um, so they, the council decides, you know, they'll review the information, decide what to do. Um, as they walk off, Beast gets really mad at Sage, is worried that, you know, by by exposing that he did some maybe um, 
stuff that was not above board. He's worried that X-Force will have more oversight and he won't be able to get away with all the stuff he wants to get away with. Um, he says that he won't be able to run uh, security and do the things that need to be done by X-Force. So really it's just Beast wanting to do his own thing. Um, and so the decision is going to be made to uh, resurrect Omega Red. They're going to leave the Cardamanium, Carbonadium synthesizer in for now. No spy device. Um, and, and basically kind of like the idea is I don't want to take that out or cure him of the need for that without his consent, which I thought was really cool, considering how much they unconsented him the last time. Um, they're going to, I guess, kind of propose once he's resurrected, hey, would you like for us to put in your protocol Then the next time we uh, fix this for you? And we can. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, then Forge is, oh, Sage asks Forge, he's like, hey, a, a helmet blinked offline, can you check it out? And he does, and the helmet's gone. There's some chittery sounds, and these giant robot tentacles grab him, and probably the worst panel of the book. It's a full-page splash, you want that to be your best page, but Forge looks terrible. Um, and otherwise, okay, art book. So we go back to X-Force, and, um, Wolverine has his caution about bringing Omega Red back, and Beast is like, see, even the meathead agrees with me. Um, but Sage is like, no, no, we need to do this. And Beast is like, no, no, we don't. Um, and Domino calls out uh, Wolverine in a very nice way. He says, love you, Logan, but you of all people should believe in second chances. The way we treated him, we might as well have been some version of Weapon X. You've gone full-on berserker, too. Ouch. <laughs> that hurts more than six adamantium claws. And Wolverine sighs and uh, says, well, what does Quentin Quire think? And um, Quentin Quire basically says, um, whatever, but, you know, let's do it. <laughs> so Beast is mad, but, you know, they're going to go ahead and move forward. Um, Black Tom senses a disturbance in the force and goes to check out uh, Forge. Forge is now like a viney red monster. And then Beast goes to Mars to see Agent Brand, and they have a creepy makeout session. Um, it's weird. Um, and then Omega Red is resurrected, and he is not happy and almost kills Beast. But, and we get, a, you know, a snicked as they're going to defend Beast. But um, Colossus says, you know, hey, hold on. Pretend that you just came seeking amnesty and we're trying to give it to you. Um, you know, and Omega Red is like, I'm not the one who needs amnesty and he drops a beast on the ground and he walks off. And then Black Tom appears with his face in the dirt and calls for help. They go and find Forge and the top half of his head is gone. And then we see the helmet with giant tentacles running around uh, on Krakoa with the big red X. Um... This is pretty good. Uh, the art, I like Gil. Really liked him on Iceman. And most of the art in this book is fine. There's a couple of wonky pages. Um, but it's pretty good. Uh, the writing is pretty strong. Um, I like it quite a bit. Um, like I said, Percy just knows Wolverine. Just inside out. Uh, is, you know, over the last year plus, just kind of become the, or one of the Wolverine writers you know, of all time. Uh, so pretty great for him. Um, I'm going to have X-Force number 27. 
The writing almost takes it up to a five, but there's enough wonky stuff in the art. I'm just gonna—I'm gonna go with a really strong four out of six claws. It's like four and a half, really. Um, but yeah, an enjoyable issue. Uh, I thought the writing was better than the art, um, but both were pretty good. Um, so that is X Force 27. So next up, we're gonna do Wolverine number 20. Um, man, I still got quite a bit to get through. That's <laughs> all right, though. I feel like I'm doing a pretty good clip. So, um, Wolverine number 20 is Two Heads, or Trigger Warning, uh, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Adam Kubert, uh, colors by Frank Martin and Jijou Lima, colors, or letters by VCs Corey Bennett, woohoo, uh, designed by Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen, and cover by Adam Kubert and Frank Martin. Uh, this cover's great. Uh, it's got a lot of white space, like white heat, up by the logo. And we have Wolverine with uh, smoke coming off of him. Um, some guys with like electricity popping off. Oh, maybe they were robots. Because Deadpool is holding some wires, or a wired head. In the background, taking a selfie of himself. Uh, Wolverine looks fantastic. I mean, it's Adam Kubert. Come on. Man, the first few pages of this are great. So again, on the heels of 10 Lives, 10 Deaths, um, Wolverine's been encouraged to take a break. And he's going to take a break. He's riding around his motorcycle and around New York. Uh, Adam Kubert on the first several pages does this almost like triptych looking art. It's really cool, like with circles and, and spears. It's very artistic, but also like very modern colors, like in hot pink and stuff. It looks really, really good. Um, so the narration is all from Deadpool. He even jokes about, like, what is this, a Deadpool book? Well, you know, because Deadpool breaks the fourth wall, obviously. Um, I will say, Percy can probably write a Deadpool book. That would be pretty good. Uh, he gets Deadpool pretty well as well. Anyway, uh, Deadpool is basically saying that he, he's been, he should be in X-Force. He should be on Krakoa. He's trying to. He's practically a mutant. But he, they won't let him. He can't do it. He's really, really mad. There's a lot of really fun lines and funny lines I'm in here. Um, but while this is all being narrated, uh, we, we're watching Wolverine uh, ride on his motorcycle. And he sees a truck and he smells C4, like a ton of C4 in the semi. Um, and it's heading towards the treehouse in New York. So it is, of course, his family. Um, and so he stops the truck and makes it crash through... No, no, not not this time. Um, he makes him crash outside of the treehouse and is successful. And we see scenes of Deadpool trying to come to Krakoa and getting shot, stabbed, beat up. Wolverine has a lot to do with it. Um, yeah, just kind of funny scenes um, of that. I'm trying to see if I can pick out... I should have wrote down... A couple of my favorite lines, but um, anyway, the humor is really good. Percy really, really does a good job with it. Um, yeah, and so let me see. Finally, um, and there's a part. Oh, <laughs> okay, there's a part where he goes. I even tried to dress the part. He's in like a bad Wolverine costume. He has like kitchen knives between his fingers. Classic. And he goes, "Er, I'm so mean, but with a heart of gold." <laughs> <laughs> and he tries to co showcase team spirit and he comes in makes a giant X and goes X-Force um, <laughs> sounds pretty good um, yeah 
It's pretty awesome. Um, so anyway, there's a part where he walks into a comic shop and he says, I used to be awesome, man. And we see like uh, his first appearance, the Deadpool number one. Um, and then he shoots up like uh, a CGC, I'm sorry, GCG great. No, wait. They, I think they did it backwards for uh, copyright. Um Anyway, uh, a Wolverine number one of this run, this volume, uh, graded at 9.6, and Deadpool shoots it up with a gun. Uh, so then he goes to see Blind Al, um, who apparently has some information, but then Wolverine cuts through the bottom of the page, says, that's more than enough. Oh, uh, the beer <laughs> that Deadpool drinks is Bob Light. Love it. Um, all right, so then we go back to Krakoa. We kind of move into normal storytelling mode. Um, Sage picks up some chatter um, looking the CIA and Agent Ramirez. Of course, remember she was the one that was been at the X desk and also uh, tried to buy Maverick and Wolverine from the auction. And Wolverine's talking about how you know his, his severed hand is out there and he wants to get it back. And so they figure out where um, uh, Agent uh, Ramirez... No. Yeah, Ramirez, my V. Um, so he's going to go, um, you know, try to figure it out. And, you know, um, we have a nice snick snacked. Uh, looks really good. And Wolverine's, uh, he's got a mission. He wants to do it on his own. So Sage hacks uh, the CIA computer, find, triangulates where Ramirez is and where she's going to be. B and Wolverine goes there. Uh, turns out Blind Al also has the same information that would help uh, Deadpool endear himself to the X-Men. Um, so Deadpool is on board. He's going to do it. Um, we see our text page and where it normally has like this square with the X uh, with the cool uh, Hawkspox uh, letter design. We have Deadpool's logo like, stuck on top of it like almost like a sticker um it's really funny <laughs> the text page is this it says whatever i say in here is canon right so emma frost is hopelessly in love with me and i would beat hulk in a fight and captain america is secretly afraid of dentist and doom has the sickest supervillain costume and nick fury lost his eye and a bet gone wrong long story and i'm an omega level and this issue is actually a number one because from now on the title is deadpool Exclamation point, parentheses, dot, 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 and Wolverine. Um, it's a fun text page in the spirit um, of the thing. So, interestingly, instead of taking a gate, I guess since maybe there's not one, um, Gateway uh, teleports Wolverine to Chesapeake Bay to meet the agent, and there's a bunch of dead X-Men bodies. And... Um, Wolverine is not pleased. But then it turns out they're robots. And he hears a voice. We get a weird, maybe snafu. We get a double snick, neither of which have the T on the end, which is interesting. Um, that, I don't know why at this point we would have that. But anyway, under a robot colossus is a battered Deadpool. And Deadpool's like, yay, now you hide and I seek. Um, so Wolverine's like, what happened? Uh, well, we'll cover that later, but we need to leave. And he's looking for a briefcase, and um, Deadpool has it. It's chained to a guy's arm. Wolverine cuts it off. 
But Deadpool grabs it and runs off, and they're chased by a helicopter with machine guns. Agent Ramirez is in the cockpit. And we find out that whatever's going on, the kind of danger they're in, in bold, and we see danger. Remember the animated uh, danger room? Yeah, so danger is going to be involved in this story. So, I always say, like my Deadpool in small doses, but Percy does a really good Deadpool. I thought this was a really fun book, a really funny book. The art is amazing, because it's Adam Kubert. Um, it looks great. I'm giving Wolverine number 20, uh, 6 out of 6 claws. I, I like it a lot. Um, Alright, uh, next up will be X-Men number 10. So, I don't normally cover this with the Escalabros, uh, but this is mainly a Laura story focus with Lady Deathstrike, so I wanted to cover it here. Sorry guys, we'll catch back up on the next ones. Um, Alright, so this is Problems in Orbit, or Sisterhood of the Metal Bones, uh, written by Jerry Dugan, uh, art by Javier Pena, colors by Marty Garcia, uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, designed by Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen, uh, cover artist by Pepe Larraz and Marte Garcia. Um, the cover is great. It's Larraz just drawing a giant uh, Laura Wolverine in full color, and then in the foreground, kind of in front of her, in purple shadow, are the claws of Lady Deathstrike. This is an awesome cover. It really, really is. Looks really, really good. So, we start off with um, the addressing of a question I had. I think a bunch of readers must have had it. They play like this on purpose, but I think they're uh, uh, retconning <laughs> very quickly. So, we see Laura getting resurrected not long ago. And... Um, we have Gold Balls, or Egg, or whatever his name is, saying, Remember, it's just for claws, Proteus. He's like, right, Egg, just for, wait, what? And Laura pops out with a snick and goes, uh, Whoops, I thought all Wolverines had all metal bones. My bad, my bad. Um, and so that's how we explain <laughs> that Laura, in the last couple issues, had a full adamantium skeleton instead of just the claws like she's always had. I don't know if I like it or not, but, I mean, whatever. I guess at least they're trying to explain it. Um, and literally, with all the readers at the bottom of the page, Egg says, moving on. <laughs> and so we move on. And we see Rogue on Arico, um with some kind of gun, and she shoots it. Then we go back to the treehouse, and we find out that she was shooting um, a scanner rifle. To take a complete snapshot across different spectrums to give us information. And basically, they, they do this to spy on the uh, Orcus base on Phobos, um, the moon of Mars, and figure out lots of good information. Um, you know, they're mad that there's a Nightcrawler corpse up there. Uh, it seems that there's kind of a constant influx and in tours of civilians. Uh, the X-Men feel like, and probably justifiably so, that it's almost a uh, human shield, so there can't ever be like a physical conflict because, you know, no one wants innocent bystanders. Um, but then, they 
detect some adamantium and it's quite a bit um, and Laura is very very concerned and thinks that it may be one of her either one of her sisters or a new clone of her or whatever and the X-Men are like well hey calm down and she's like try to stop me and they know they can't there's a funny joke that they all realize they can't and so they take bets on how long she can uh, go on a subversive mission so she gets herself shipped up in a crate to, uh, to Phobos and after hours she cuts herself out with a snick and a screen and does a nice like, stretch <laughs> like the, the detail of the motions and the art by uh, Pina are really cool um, you know, she gets out, she's been cramped up. To actually draw a scene of her, like, stretching out after being in a box for how long um, is really, really fun and really, really nice. Um, she's trying to be secretive, but then she also drags her claws on the wall. Um, and, yeah, uh, let's see, what does it say? Um, oh, yeah, this is a line where Laura was irritated by them betting and wondered if they would have taken bets if it was Logan's mission. Um... And the bet of, on how long before she was discovered. And uh, Cyclops assured her he'd have opened the betting, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, so, you know, none of the X-Men obviously tried to, to talk Wolverine Laura out of sneaking on. Uh, if there's any chances one of her sisters, she has to try to rescue her. Um, and so she finds the, the kind of capsule, like science, the science coffin, basically, that, that they're in. And she cuts it open, and she's like, oh, hell. <laughs> and, and jumps out as Lady Deathstrike. Uh, she was uh, offered a chance by Stasis to be healed. Uh, she's suffering from some adamantium poisoning. And Lord's like, oh, yeah, we know about that. Um, but um, she was betrayed and captured and sold off to Orcus uh, by Dr. Stasis. So she's pretty mad. Um, she's fighting with Wolverine. We get a nice double snicked. Uh, and then another double snicked with the feet. Hey, Dan, some foot claws for you. And she jump kicks and stabs Lady Deathstrike in the stomach. Um, and she's like, listen, stop. Listen up and heal. And that's what she says, I can't. Um, the Adamanta poisoning. Um, and so, yeah. Um, she thought she was going to get helped with the poisoning, but then she got betrayed. And Laura, just being awesome and just being the best Wolverine ever, is like, hey, sorry. And extends her hand and says, let's get you out of here. And it's just great. It's such a great scene. Um, they're heading towards uh, a, a gate. And, um, and just she's being really nice and helpful, but there's still some Wolverine in there, you know, being... Uh, you know, his his daughter, because uh, Lady Deathstrike said, why are you helping me? And Wolverine's like, well, why are you asking? Would you prefer to be on your ass? <laughs> and then we see uh, Fei Long, of course, who runs the station, uh, finds them, and Jean Grey's like, oh, they found her uh, in the background. Um, either, I can't tell if Rogue and um, Sunfire are paying Polaris or the other way around, but money is changing hands. Um, and Dr. Phalong opens up like an airlock. Uh, Wolverine uses her claw to slow down 
being sucked out by stabbing into the dirt, but eventually even her claw can't hold. We get a really cool scene, so they're going to try to reverse fastball special in space. I guess Wolverine and Deathstrike get um, sucked into space. Rogue blasts off with super speed, and we see money like flying around in a blur of color. And it's really cool, the science they, or like, comic book science they do here. So she flies through a gate to slingshot to the next planet over, which slingshots her around Mars and grabs um, Wolverine and Deathstrike. Says, remember I was a golden glove on uh, the softball teams. Um, so later back in the treehouse, um, Lady Deathstrike is getting, <laughs> according to Laura, uh, show live thanks to some high-octane Wolverine blood. She's getting a, a blood transfusion. Uh, Cyclops assures her that she did great. Reminds him of why they picked her. Um, and yeah. Um, and we get a, a scene from the uh, the first Hellfire Gala. Um, and she says, I know Sink is throwing his vote to me. I promise you I'm not worth taking ahead of him. I don't want to use these claws to do anything other than help people. You guys want that, I'm in. Um, and Sink comes back. He has dinner. Um... Yeah. Um, Lady Deathstrike says thanks, but that she's got to go. Uh, Wolverine smiles, says you're welcome. Um, Destiny and Rogue argue about Gambit for a second. Uh, Rogue kind of calls Destiny out. She says, um, you know, it's a shame for basically with her precog power, says it's a shame for you to return and spot all the icebergs, uh, the Titanic reference, right? And then delight as we plow into them. And she says, well, you're going to get broken to see things my way. And Rogue goes to one of Gambit's card games and says um, he needs one of his card-playing buddies they call Rocket Raccoon, who's on Game World, and uh, he's going to be their end uh, to help resolve that story. So... Art is fantastic. Story is fantastic. Um, love Wolverine's portrayal here. And just the way that she is still Wolverine but super compassionate really reminds me, really channels um, Tom Taylor's run and interpretation of the character, which is perfect. Um, and has continued on his characterization of uh, John Kent. That same kind of like, I helping no matter what, super compassionate. Um, so she's still Wolverine, right? Not the same character. I don't want to say it's exactly the same. It's not. But, you know, like the part about leaving, you know, talking smack during the fight and still being willing to fight. I mean, she very much fights Deathstrike before she gets her to calm down. But that is tempered. She's less gruff than Logan. And it's just tempered by this, the super compassionate, super kind heart I love Laura, and I love this issue. Um, X-Men number 10 is an easy 6 out of 6 clause. Um, the best issue of this bunch that we'll read today, or tonight, whenever you're listening. But oh, there's been several pretty good ones. Um, we've had two sixes in rows, and might have a couple more. We'll see. Um, Sabretooth number 3 is next. Alright. Um, this book is hell is empty and all the devils are here or 
Whisper Campaign, uh, written by Victor Lavalley, uh, art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Rain Moreno, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo! Designed by Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen, uh, Ryan Stegman, J.P. Mayer, and Frank Martin do the cover. Um, the cover is pretty cool. We have Sabretooth in a lighted background, and the other characters who have gone to the pit wrapped up in vines. Um, so we have some interesting kind of. I mean, this book to me is really about the the commentary. Um, we have a flashback of Sabretooth. No, sorry. This is the flashback of... What is his name? Melter. Yeah. He accidentally um, killed his parents. He melted them, literally. Um, he killed an old woman. He went to Professor X and got reprieve on Kakoa, but messed up by hurting the island. But it turns out that's not all he did. That's what we thought originally. Professor X reveals, though, that he was looking for the location of the Quiet Council and tells him not to do that again. But he does it again. And that's why he gets into the pit. Um, you know, we see the you know the pit, of course, is all I can say with his mind right now. All the characters are in there. They're in a fake penitentiary. There's a moon with a giant saber-tooth claw on it. <laughs> kind of cool. Um, so his plan is... You know, he found out he was able to manifest himself up there, but only for a short period of time. So he can't actually like go up there. But they can all manifest and recruit some of the invisible people of Krakoa. And, and Laval or Lavalle really, really digs into the idea of a society where everyone's equal, but some are more equal than others. And really, kind of some of the marginalized characters, the characters that are less important, I think even a... a is mole right or not shrew uh, mole yeah it's like well I can think and talk about what I want and they ask well what about Professor X can you read everyone's mind and I was like well he can but why would he pay attention to everybody like I'm completely beneath his notice why would he read my mind um which you would think if they're strong enough thoughts he would pick up the straight thoughts but that's not what's going on here so um yeah they kind of there's different characters recruiting different people to try to basically just kind of spreading awareness that they're being unjustly, you know, was the pit really about? And it kind of bothers some people. Um, Sabretooth realizes he can't trust Melter and appears to him as Professor X, but he's really Sabretooth. Um, he kind of cuts them open. We see our council of Sabretooths. Uh, and they kind of talk about how everything may be violent, but he's not dumb. People always underestimate him. Um, you know, we see our characters on the surface spreading the, the word of what's going on in the pit. And then, um, oh, the Feral Council is what it's called. And we see that Melter is reaching out, um, and he burns Sabretooth, and that's where we end. So... The story's pretty good, and the art's pretty good. To me, this is really about just kind of showing a different side of Krakoa society, showing that even in a paradise, there's injustice and marginalization and people being ignored and people abusing power, and that, to me, is more interesting than necessarily the plot points. Um, the feral, I mean, like, the Feral Council is, is cool, but really to me it's about 
showing that different side of Krakoa, that ugly underbelly um, that's just beneath the surface. Um, I do think it's unfortunate. This is probably helping lean towards the end of the Krakoan era. I'm not quite ready for it to be over, but um, hopefully we still have lots of time. Um, we definitely see, are seeing the cracks in the society and the dream. Um, yeah, Sabertooth 3, I will give a very, very solid 5 out of 6 claws. Um, it's a very, very good book. It's, a, it's an important book, I feel like. Um, it's very thought-provoking, very much worth your read. Alright, um, next up, I'm going to do the Free Comic Book Day Judgment Day issue. Um, there's a couple of different stories in here of various import to um, uh, the X-Men, of course. Um, where's... There was one I thought that had credits for everything. Hold on. I thought there was one that had all three credits on one page. Maybe I'm... Yeah, here we are. Alright. So we have... Um, of Deviation and Mutation is the main story. Written by Kieran Gillen. Art by Dustin Weaver and colors by Marty Garcia. We have Bloodline, which I won't really go into, but it's a story that sets up Blade's daughter. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, it's written by Danny Lore, art by Karen S. Darbo, colors by Ian Herring. Um, and then our X-Men proper story is written by Jerry Dugan with art by Matteo Lawley, colors by Rain Barreto. Letters of VCs, Clayton Cows, and designed by Tom Mueller. Um, and all, or no, I guess not all. So on the first two stories, the letters are by VCs, Corey Pettit. We have a cover by Valerio Schiti. Um It's just kind of all the characters from the three main teams and acts jumping out of the sky. Um, it's a really good cover. Captain America's face is a little odd. But then Jean Grey's face is awesome, so it makes up for it. Um, yeah, remember Axe is Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals. So the first story has some X-Men, but no Wolverine. And basically just talks about the history of Eternals hunting deviation, and especially excessive deviation with Uranus. Remember, that's the guy that we saw in... Oh, you don't remember. We never talked about it on here. If you're reading... The Eternal series, which I'm enjoying quite a bit. I know not everybody is. Um, the one called The Heretic, where we find out um, that Uranus, who also is Thanos' grandfather, because Thanos is now a full-on um, Eternal, um, you know, was really was imprisoned because he took the uh, elimination and deviation too far. And we see in present-day... Um, uh, Icarus and Cersei uh, fight, helping the Avengers kill a giant deviant monster. We'll basically find out... Oh, I'm sorry, there's a one Wolverine thing in here. Um, that Uranus um, and some of the Eternals now would consider mutants an excessive deviation. So that's going to be kind of the backbone of the plot and what's going on here. Um is that mutants will be... So the poster at the end of the story is... Uh, it looks like the Eternals trying to fight the X-Men with the Avengers stuck in the middle. Um, so I guess that's going to be our at least our opening dynamic. Um, 
is that. Uh, and like I said, there's a, a story about Blade's daughter, which is cool. And then the X-Men story uh, talks about, it's from um, Moira's point of view, how Krakoa cannot last forever. Uh, we have Mary Jane and Mary Jane's aunt, um, who had dementia and takes uh, Krakoa medicine. So they're now going on like kind of a, a spokesman tour uh, about the Quinquillan medicine. Um, and we see an interesting thing where um, Moira wants uh, the X-Men and Avengers to fight and how it should end. We see Wolverine eviscerating Iron Man, Magneto wrapping Captain America's own shield around his head, but then Thor kills Cyclops, Captain Marvel breaks uh, Rogue's neck for vengeance. Um, and of course, he needs, she needs to try to make that happen. And her plan is that she um, accosts Mary Jane in her house and says she's going to wear her to the Hellfire Gala. Now, I don't know if that means she's going to like, somehow cybernetically absorb and disguise herself as Mary Jane, or if her intention is to actually, like, Hannibal Lecter, kill Mary Jane and wear her face to the Gala. Um, I don't think that Mary Jane is dead in current Spider-Man books, so... No, don't know about that, but I guess we'll see when we get there um, how that plays out. Um, maybe this is after the current Spider-Man story arc. I don't know. I mean, it's it's intimidating for sure. I enjoyed this issue. I know I, at least in my little circle, um, most of whom have pretty bad event fatigue, don't know a whole lot of people in my circle looking forward to acts. I actually kind of am. If nothing else, just because I've been really enjoying the Eternals book, um, especially the Thanos part. Hi, Al, uh, from Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Uh, if you need to ever cover the current Eternals volume, I'm there for you. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I, I think in line with the story, it makes sense that eventually Eternals might turn their eye to mutants especially as they raise in prominence and call attention to themselves. Um, and especially with Gillen's uh, Eternals focusing more on kind of the machine and the process of the Eternals and how they're kind of a slave to the Eternal philosophy and can only uh, break from it so far. So I, I thought this was a nice free issue and uh, gave it five out of six claws and I'm actually looking forward to Axe. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. The last thing I'm going to cover is the conclusion to Dark Ages. Dark Ages number six. This, of course, is written by Tom Taylor, art by Yvonne Coelho, color by Brian Reber, letters by Mises Joe Sabino, cover by Yvonne Coelho and Frank Diamardo. I don't remember what that looks like because I got the variant by... Uh, Mood Azar and Matthew Wilson, which is awesome. Um, it's a team pose. Um, kind of our heroes on a steampunk ledge with old man Captain America. We have Johnny Storm in his fire suit in the back. We have Wolverine Laura on the front, by flanked by Venom Miles. And then it looks like a Captain Marvel and Spider-Man in the background. No, Sue Storm and Spider-Man in the background. With a blonde girl with her back to us. But um, anyway, I really like the Azeroth cover and really like uh, Azeroth's uh, Wolverine. Alright, so the conclusion in this story 
Our heroes are going to Europe to face Apocalypse. Um, you know, Apocalypse has come up with a plan. He's finally got Captain America's shield and has enough of the right metal to basically make a giant, um, what's it called? Um, uh, not Fairfax, but, um, dang. Um, uh, what's it called? Faraday, maybe, Cage. I don't know. Anyway, he's going to try to resurrect uh, the, um, uh, the thing of a jigger, um, the unmaker. And he secretly knows he's going to use it to destroy the planet. His um, peers do not yet know that. And, but they need some adamantium. He's like, well, turns out I have some. And we go underground and we see Logan. Wolverine with long hair and a beard. And Cyclops and Purple Man, or sorry, Apocalypse and Purple Man take Cyclops down there. I guess Wolverine's just been stuck down there for like years and years. Um, and Purple Man tells um, Cyclops, he takes off his visor and says, open your eyes. And um, Cyclops begs Wolverine to put him down. The Wolverine jumps. An awesome dynamic panel. He jumps yelling with a snick at Cyclops. But Purple Man says, let it go. And Wolverine takes a full optic blast that disintegrates him down to the bone. And uh, we see Apocalypse drop. Wolverine's adamantium skull on Captain America's shield. He brings the rest of the skeleton is and tells Stark, you have your adamantium. Then Dr. Octopus calls out Apocalypse and says, I think, come, when you wake up the Unmaker, um, it's going to tear the planet apart. And Apocalypse is like, so? And, well, I, I don't want to have a literal Apocalypse. And Apocalypse, of course, says, I do. And using his powers, his newfound powers he has with his whatever, um, I think he's been absorbing powers, if I remember. Anyway, he uh, tears Dr. Octopus literally in half. So, we see our bus of heroes driving into Paris. Dr. Doom and Moon Girl come up with a plan that seems most impressive, Dr. Doom says. Um, so, Moon Girl convinces Devil Dinosaur because he's injured that he needs to watch the kids. Spider-Man convinces the kids they need to watch Devil Dinosaur and that they'll be right back. They see Dr. Octopus's corpse. They get ready to go into the Louvre. We get an awesome panel of Storm by Quello. I love his costume design for Storm and then also like the lightning and stuff. It all looks really, really fantastic. It's badass. Um, so they're trying to survive Magneto with this giant metal spear so he can do what he needs to do. But um, they sense that the heroes are coming. They come in, but Purple Man releases a secret weapon, which is a horde of their friends with purple eyes. And the heroes are like, oh, we don't know what to do. We didn't. We, we plan to fight the bad guys, not our family and loved ones and best friends. Um, but they do. They go to battle. Um, Wolverine and Gabby fight against Cyclops. Um, some pretty cool matchups here. Uh, see Deadpool versus uh, looks like Psylocke maybe. Um, Storm versus Captain Marvel. Um, you know, Nightcrawler just teleporting around. I'm not sure who he's fighting. Um, but Hulk, She-Hulk and Colossus. Um, Doctor Doom finds Dracula. Um, and purple. <laughs> 
<laughs> Purple Man's like cheerleading, and then we see him shot through the head, and Deadpool just shoots him through the head, and um, and they're like, wait, the plan was to knock him out. Oh, and he goes, I didn't hear the plane. I was driving the bus. And he listened to Jessica Jones and says, Oh, man, Jess, I feel like I robbed you of some much-needed catharsis. You want to kick his corpse a bit? or? <laughs> but whether they like the method or not, with a Purple Man out of the picture, their friends all wake up. I love when you can see Spider-Man smile under the mask. Uh, he's like, hey, Cap. And you see him smile under the mask. It's really cool. So now they have everyone, and they're going after Apocalypse and they go down, and um, Nightcrawler teleports down, and much like in the old days when they teleport Juggernaut's helmet off, uh, they teleport Apocalypse's uh, armor away, and then Dracula goes and bites him and turns him into a apocalyptic vampire. And that was Dr. Doom's plan, was to use them. But Blade jumps in, stabs them both through the chest of one sword, and decapitates them with another, killing them both, robbing Doom of his pleasure, and effectively ending our story on a mostly happy note. They save Magneto, they save the world, and go out to be home. Um, it feels a little rushed, but... Uh, art was great. It was a nice, impactful story. Um, much like every issue of this one, I'm going to give it five out of six claws. That was a really great kind of alternate reality miniseries overall. I mean, it's Tom Taylor and Yvonne Coelho, both of which I like a lot. So no big surprise there. All right, that's going to do it. I know I did a lot and kind of fast. And that may be the MO for the next couple episodes, but I hope that you enjoyed it. I mean, I had several. Let's see, we, what do we have? Let's, we had three plus three is six, plus four is 10, plus six is 16, plus six is 22, plus five is 26, plus five is 32, plus five is 37, one, two, three, four, five. divided by seven. What's 37 divided by seven? Pull out the old calculator. 37 divided by seven. That's not, oh, yeah, that is right. So average, about five claws per issue. So that's pretty good. Pretty good bunch. Pretty good stack. So, all right. Hope you enjoyed it. Man, it feels good to be back. It, Regina, you're right. It's mostly like riding a bike. <laughs> so, again, uh, thank you all, if you're still here, for hanging out through these last few months. Um, I did want to give one extra shout-out. Um, to Clint Bucklers, a fan friend of the show. Um, Clint, man, you you encouraged me kind of just pretty recently here, just gave me a mess. I know you've been going through some struggles yourself. Um, I won't air those because that's, that's your personal stuff. To, you can share it when you come on if you want. Um, and Clint is going to come on soon, so yay! Um, and that's another one of those things, like by having guests that will hold me accountable to keep going. And, at least to 500. That's my, my promise to y'all. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give this a try, at least to 500. If I find myself going through the motions, I won't do it. But I didn't feel that way this time. I felt I really was engaged and enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. So anyway, um, in addition to the people I mentioned earlier, uh, Clint, 
that you're, you're just messages of encouragement and just kind of being a super fan of the show. I mean, super engaged with the issues and everything. Um, and just, you know, checking in on me, um, you know, following up and continuing to check in. Just, man, just really, really um, happy to have, have met you recently. And, and I mean, not in person, but, you know, in, in spirit. And just really happy to have you as part of the Snick family. And can't wait to have you on. So we'll work on doing that soon. He's going to cover um, the uh, Unlimited story with Wolverine and Maggot with me. Um I haven't read it yet. I hope it's good. I told Quinn I'm sorry if it's not. But um, so I get, I, kind of one of those things that sometimes I get a, a guest of mine I kind of wait for like the perfect story and it's too long away. And so, Quinn, I wanted to get you on ASAP and this felt like the best place to do it. So, yeah, that'll be coming up in the next couple of episodes. Probably won't be the next one. But maybe the one after that. Next, the next two or three ups will be we'll have Clint on, and I'm re- really looking forward to that. So Clint, yay! Um, yeah. So again, everyone has reached out over the last couple of months. Um, I won't try to name everybody again, but you really do mean the world to me. Um, you know, some of my best friends I've met through this show, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. Uh, through the good times and the bad. Through the good times and the bad. Gotta celebrate your baby. <laughs> anyway. Um, there's, you can tell I went to college in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, plugs. 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 Um, for the podcast to go snit, you can like the Facebook page. It's still there. Twitter is still at Snitcast. It's been mostly my 70s Marvel read-through as of late. But um, definitely still trucking along there. Y'all may have noticed, even that, I took a little hiatus from where I kind of, there were a few weeks ago I barely tweeted at all, which was rare for me. But um, anyway, lots of comic book stuff on there. Um, and of course, show notes and stuff for snickcast.podbean.com. So, again, everyone, please stay safe out there. Um, be kind to each other. Love each other. And until we meet again, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. And snack.